Welcome to another episode of the Beef Bits Podcast. I'm Dr. Jeff Limcooler, Extension Beef Cattle Specialist at the University of Kentucky. Through the Beef Bits Podcast, we will share current news, management tips, new research, and other issues related to beef cattle production. I'll be joined by various guests to bring different views and insights on beef cattle topics. I hope you will follow or subscribe to the Beef Bits Podcast and find the information useful. Welcome to another episode of the Beef Bits Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Lumcooler, and today I'm joined by my colleague, Brandon Sears. Brandon is the uh, Ag and Natural Resource Agent in Madison County. Brandon, how are you today? Hey, Jeff, I'm doing good. The sun's shining and uh, it's warmed up a little, so things are good. Fantastic. I want to thank you for joining us today on the podcast. And uh, before we get too far into it, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Where are you from and uh, how long have you been in your role in extension? Well, um, I'm from Bullock County, Kentucky, which is uh, just the next county south of Louisville. Um, been up in the central Kentucky area now since uh, roughly 2001. Um been an agent with UK for um, around 13 years. Prior to that, I worked two years at a, a small research station for UK in Eastern Kentucky. What was your role over at the research station in Eastern Kentucky? Well, it was it was pretty interesting. It wasn't necessarily anything I, I thought I would get into, but, you know, life kind of leads you different directions. It was a good opportunity and uh, Actually, I was an extension associate for forage and goat production. At, at the time, meat goats were, were big in that area. And um, one of my tasks was to um, help producers uh, establish and maintain forages, uh, specifically some that are beneficial to goats, um, and then help with general goat production as well. So a little bit on the, the plant science side and a little bit on the animal science. That's great. I, I think that's one of the uh, unknowns or maybe hidden secrets about a lot of our agents, the, the diverse backgrounds that you all bring into the counties and the experiences that you had prior to coming to Extension gives us a, a wealth of knowledge across a lot of maybe other disciplines that folks don't necessarily think of right away. Yeah, that that's right. And, um, and interestingly, my my master's degree was in precision agriculture. And so that was a totally kind of a 180 uh, as well. So um, I guess I have kind of a somewhat interesting background or kind of varied anyway. Yeah, and seems like that background now is becoming even maybe a little bit more to the forefront as we see the increased adoption of precision ag and folks looking more and more with drones and drone technology to measure standing forage mass that might be out there or scouting crop fields. Precision ag is kind of taken on a whole new dimension, probably even since when you were doing your studies. Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, back in um, 2003, 2005 and through there, um, a lot of it seemed to be focused at row crop production and some of that, but, you know, since then it's taken off and it's got 
application in so many different areas, um, you know, in agriculture, but, you know, outside of ag as well. Absolutely. Um, you know, one of the uh, interesting things on the perhaps other side outside of ag that we don't necessarily think of is the use of drones to inspect the uh, turbines on some of the windmills that are generating electricity rather than having somebody climb up those and inspect them. Uh, seen a month or so ago where they're using drones to to inspect those. Yeah, and I I, I know they're certainly a lot cheaper than taking a helicopter and flying up there, I, I'm sure. A lot easier. Oh, I would think absolutely. And a lot easier. That's right. Well, today um, I, I asked uh, you to join us because you've got a little uh, uh, something unique over in, in your area that is uh, not necessarily replicated uh, in every county or even every region across the state. And that's a kind of a cooperative hay auction that occurs over in Madison County and wanted to visit with you a little bit about that today. Um, this year has been a maybe a bit of a challenge when it comes to thinking about hay auctions because it was a really good year for hay production across the state and it seems like a lot of folks uh, had hay. So did you see um, the offerings for hay kind of come in higher than the previous years due to that, or is it about the same? No, I, I we were definitely up. Uh, in fact, it was the, the most lots we'd ever had. Um, it was, uh, my count's correct, 105 different lots that were offered for sale. Um, some of those included straw, but the majority was, was hay. Um, we, would typically average somewhere between 50 and 70 lots of hay. Um, so we were, we were significantly up. And as you said, our, our conditions were, were good for hay last year. We had some timely rains, I thought, and we had some also some fairly timely uh, dry periods where we could get the hay up and, you know, get it, get it cut fairly early. So we, we had a, quite a lot of, uh, of the hay tested better, I would say, than, than average years. So that was, that was encouraging. So we had, we had more quantity and then we also had better quality. So it's, I'd say somewhat rare for those two to go together every time, but we, we seem to have had that this year, which was good. You, you mentioned a couple things that would be good to, to touch base on. And um, first, let me back up and, and tell us a little bit about the how long the hay auction has been going and kind of who initiated it and how did it get its uh, start? Well, uh, looking back, I, I guess it you might say it was somewhat by accident. Um, the first year that I was an agriculture agent here in Madison County, um, was uh, 2007. So I started middle of January in 2007. And I'll never forget that year. Of course, it was my rookie year. So, you know, I, I, I was kind of like a turtle on my back, right? Everything was, you know, coming at me and, and new and learning everything. But we had the, uh, the real late uh, freeze in April after alfalfa and clover had gotten, you know, knee high and all that. And so we had just a tremendous amount of 
forage damage and loss, even from cool season grasses from that late freeze. And then later on into that year, as the summer and fall went along, we ended up having um, a, a dry spell, at least somewhat of a drought here in, in my area. And so it left, um, you know, a big hay shortage in 2007. And, um, and that, that was an issue and kind of all, you know, stuck in the back of our minds uh, going into 2008. And so our, our fair board puts a machinery auction on every winter and it's uh, in early January. And that particular year in 2008, after we'd had that bad uh, growing season for forages, a few of my farmers had some, some excess hay um, that they, that they had. Um, and so they thought, you know what, let's just bring a few wagon loads of this hay in mix it in with the machinery auction and see how it goes. And um, so it, 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 it really sold well. Uh, in fact, we had more people asking, you know, do you know of other sources of hay and, and that? And so the next year um, we ended up having our standalone hay auction uh, a couple of weeks after the machinery sale. So the hay per or the hay that comes in, you mentioned that uh, this year the hay seemed to test a little better. So for those that maybe are not familiar with uh, that kind of terminology, but what do you mean by the hay tested better, and how do y'all go about uh, testing the hay? Yeah, that that was one of the things that. Um, when the fair board and I started kind of working together back in the early days, um, I thought that we could bring that component to the table and maybe set this hay auction apart from some others at the time. Um, and that we would, we would test the hay and then we also would get a, to the best of our ability, an average weight for the bales. And so, um, in talking with the Kentucky department of ag and some folks, uh, there, with our mobile hay testing unit, um, we just kind of entered into a partnership um, and they have a, a mobile testing unit where they'll come out um, to do hay auctions, field days and some of that. Um, and, and we'll test hay um, with, uh, with their mobile unit on site. Um, it's for educational purposes, but um, it's been really good that we've, we can use that service because in our case, um, I don't have the luxury of having all the hay in, you know, a week or two ahead of time where I can send it off to a lab and get results back. So it's worked out really good. And so KDA has been a good partner on that. And um, so that's kind of how the testing portion came about. I just felt like, you know, an extension, it would be a good opportunity here to, to offer hay, but then also um, talk to producers and show them, um, you know, what, what hay testing is about, how to do it, and um, to some degree, um, you know, interpret the results and so forth. We last uh, uh, episode we talked to the uh, Lindell and Brian about the Eastern Kentucky Hay Contest, and uh, very similar. They work with the Kentucky Department of Ag and uh, have. Uh, forge tested it when they got started and shifted gears a little bit um, uh, and, and are sending samples to the Princeton station now. But a, another 
good kind of uh, building a program around an educational opportunity here, it sounds like, where you're trying to teach them how to interpret forward results, how they can be used in uh, livestock nutrition. So are you using your your forage test results to rank hay or how does that information get portrayed back to the people that might be looking at buying hay? Yeah. So, um, what, what we've done over the years, um, each lot that comes in, um, you know, whether it's a stack of squares or roll bales or whatever, it'll kind of be separated out in a, in a stack and, and there's a tag that's put on there for, you know, record keeping purposes. Um, and so what I'll do after we pull the sample and get the results, um, I take the printout and um, I'll write the bale weight on the front of the, uh, the printout and I'll write the lot number and the number of bales in there. Um, and then I'll go through and circle some of the, um, the, more, the important numbers or things that I would like our producers to look at as far as um, comparing uh, possibly different lots of hay to another, to each other. Um, but really just some things for, for them to think about, maybe just one or two items, because there's a lot of different um, sets of numbers on that page. And I want them to kind of focus in on a couple that we, we typically would look at if we're going to balance rations and, and some of that. So that, that um, form, that paper is, is stapled to each tag on the lot, on each lot. And so as they walk around, you know, giving a visual assessment of the hay, they can also look down and see what the, the crude protein was and the TDN and NDF and relative feed value and some of those numbers. Have, have you seen a um, trend for higher quality forage to sell for a little higher value? Yes, I, I think... Um, I think especially in recent years we have, uh, I, I really think it, it was pretty evident this year. Um, early on, I don't know that, that we did. I, you know, it, folks were kind of still learning and, and all this was more new than it is now, but over the years, um, you know, having the, the sale and we've had several repeat buyers over the years and, and word is kind of spread around, um, I do think that that folks are looking at those numbers and um, we certainly make sure that they, you know, have a chance to read it on the, on the form on the lot, but right before each lot sells as the auctioneer is describing that lot, we read off the crude protein and the TDN numbers. So we try to reiterate it again, just prior to the, the bidding process, but um you know, this year um, we had a lot more hay, as we said, and um, we had some that was lower quality, but we had a lot of a lot of better hay. Um, and you know, the better hay uh, it, it it did sell better. And um, and I think folks are are putting two and two together um, that it's not just a visual appraisal of the hay, but you know, it's also about about testing and and having that information to help make that decision. Yeah, that's that's a good thing. Then it means that um, over time, folks are learning uh, about how to interpret those forage test results and the value that that has, and maybe offsetting some 
supplement cost and and uh, exchanging that cost and paying a little more for the forage they're buying. So you mentioned that you got different packages coming in. Tell us a little bit of what kind of packages you see at the auction. Well, this year we had, um, I guess, the most um, varied offering you might say is is any years that I can remember. Um, of course, we had you know small squares. We had several thousand of those, just your typical. Um, small square bale weighing 40 pounds or so. And then we had uh, a lot of four by five round bales, five by five. Um, majority of the roll bales are in that size. Uh, we did have a few six by sixes, um, but in our area, we don't have a lot of large equipment that, you know, typically can handle that or produce it. So the four by five and five by five is kind of the bread and butter for the rolls. And um, we had a few um, square bales that were brought in um, from out of the area where the, I guess I'll say the, the medium sized squares, they had the three twine, uh, three tied twine on there. They weighed about uh, 80 pounds a piece. So we had a small lot of those. Um, for the first time in a number of years, um, we had uh, someone bring in a couple of semi loads of large squares. Um, and so they were weighing around 750 pounds a piece. So we had a pretty good offering of those. And, uh, we even had some baleage. We had, um, pearl millet and soybean baleage that was brought in, 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 um, four by five, roughly size roll bales. I assume they were individually wrapped bales. <laughs> Well, actually, they weren't. They were they were initially wrapped in a tube, and uh, the individual had cut them apart and brought them to the auction, and so they were the ends were exposed, the flat ends. Um, so you know, luckily, it's been pretty cold, and so spoilage, I think, it, you know, had been to a minimum or will be. And um, but ideally, they would have been individually wrapped. Yeah, we one of the challenges we don't have a good way to handle those individually wrapped ones. We don't have grapples. Yeah, well, and it, if nothing else, it also sounds like maybe another educational opportunity there to think about if you're going to try to market uh, high moisture hay, that investment in extra plastic and that for individually wrapped bales uh, could be offset by taking those to an auction where you can sell them. Yep, that's right. We're we're not a big dairy area here um, in, in Madison and, and really the surrounding counties even, so um don't see a lot of that, but but we're getting more and more all the time. Um, most of it's fed to beef cattle. Well, you you were um, certainly one that's uh, very familiar with producing haylage and have done some programs with us in the past, and I kind of had a, a, a development of a nice kind of question to answer fact sheet, if you will, on producing baleage. So. Uh, uh, certainly, you've got experience and can help folks that are interested in learning more about producing baleage. And actually, that kind of leads into uh, just a quick plug. The uh, uh, One of the presentations this year at the Forge is at KCA con conference, which will be online uh, Wednesday night, is uh, Dr. Dennis Hancock, who will be talking about that exact subject on making quality haylage um, or for baleage. Yeah, I, I saw that on the agenda. Um, he's a really good speaker and um, 
really knows that subject well. So looking forward to that. Yeah. And I, I'm trying to remember, uh, Brandon, we, he was here a few years ago and did a presentation similar to that at the, uh, think maybe the alfalfa conference a few years ago so uh, certainly will be good for folks to to join in and learn a little bit more about uh, making quality baleage uh, from uh, dr hancock brandon you mentioned that um, there's a lot of different packages but um, and some different you know uh, forages coming in on the wet side but predominantly what are the types of forage species that you see there. I mean, we're in a fescue state and I'm assuming there's a lot of fescue hay that comes in, but what's the predominant types of forages that folks are bringing in there to sell? Yeah, that, that's a good question. Um, you know, as you say, we, we do have a lot of fescue in the area. So a lot of our round bales uh, that come in are are primarily fescue based. There'll be some other mixed grasses in there, um, orchard grass, and you know, depending on what time of year they may be cut, we'll have some crabgrass mixed in, or maybe even a little foxtail, something like that. But um, the majority of the grasses do have some amount of fescue in there. Um, we have got a lot of square bales that have kind of um, come into the auction over the years, and and those are those are primarily um, either straight orchard grass. Um, we had a couple lots of straight Timothy, but typically we'll have uh, alfalfa orchard grass blend to some degree on the small squares. And so the horse owners, small ruminant owners, that's kind of what they come to the auction for. Um, the large squares this year, uh, were what I would just call mixed grass fescue base with some other things mixed in some other grasses. Um, we did have a little bit of straight alfalfa this year. We had some Roundup Ready uh, alfalfa growers that um, had some excellent pure alfalfa small squares that um, tested really well and sold really really well. Um, that's that's mainly what we see up here, Jeff. Uh, we, we've had a little bit of clover over the years in, in some of our hay, some mixed clover grass. Um, that's certainly not uncommon. Um, it seems to ebb and flow. A couple years ago, we had um, a lot of Bermuda, actually some straight Bermuda small, uh, small bales. And um, we had probably the, the best um, annual Lespedeza hay that I'd ever seen put up. Um, so that was interesting. Yeah, that's always interesting to see. I, did you have any TEF? I, I mean, at one point in time in your area, I think folks were testing out growing TEF for uh, some of the equine markets. Yeah, back, I don't know, I'd say around 2012 and in, in through there, we had uh, several growers looking at TEF and growing it. Um, but no, this year we didn't, we didn't have any TEF. We've not We've not seen that in a while. Um, we could grow it really well. Um, didn't have really too many challenges there. I, I think the big challenge for dry hay um, is getting it dried down and, you know, it grows so thick. Um, and it, especially if you put some nitrogen on it to get that growth, it seems like it's just, you know, it's, it's really nice and green and lush and there's just a lot of water to move out of it. And so I, I think we've had some trouble getting it up 
good and dry. And, and so it, it's not been a major player in a number of years. So in your 100-plus lots, um, what would you say the uh, breakdown percentage roughly is for small square bales and large round bales versus your large square bale? Well, th this year, um, I'll say we had probably um, probably 50% was, was round bales. Um, and then the rest would have been, uh, or most of the rest would have been small squares. We had several thousand small squares this time, um, an unusually high number, I would say. Um, and then the large squares were just a, a minor component. There was, I think, just two lots of those, even though they were large lots. Um, and some of the some of the amount of packaging that comes in varies depending on. Um, you know, the advertisements and some of the contacts that the auctioneer has, you know, in and out of state and some of that. So um, this year we happen to have quite a very offering. So as you've seen a pretty substantial jump in uh, lots available for sale, there's always this concern about do you uh, exceed the number of buyers that you have um, that did all the hay sale this year? Yeah, that's a very good point. And um, when I first walked out there this year, you know, the first day that we were starting to take in hay and saw how much had come in, I, my first thought was, boy, I hope we've got the buyers. Um, and for the most part, I think we did. I, I would say I was pretty pleased about how, you know, things sold. I, most of the hay sold. I do know there were a few lots that that did not sell, but um, the majority of the hay did did actually sell. Um, prices were, were down from what they had been in past years, uh, especially last year. Um, when we've had years where hay was more of a challenge to put up, either too wet or too dry, and our lot size, our lot numbers have been down, um, we've had some really, I don't know, I, I, would, I would say kind of unreal hay prices, to be honest. And this year, we really just, we didn't see that. I would say we saw more in line with with what would be considered typical for our area. So um, do you all arrange for transportation of hay then at the auction or does uh, uh, that based on the, the seller and the buyer working out those details uh, individually or how's that uh, handled? A little of both. Uh, and then, um, you know, a lot of the hay is, um, you know, the individuals that purchase the hay will bring their trailers and, and that and and um, we'll load out, you know, for the next few days after the sale. So we, we were lucky to have four different tractors running this year where we could load out um, round bales pretty easily. Um, if somebody doesn't have transportation, um, we can help arrange for it with local haulers. And that that has happened several times. Um, if it's a if it's a sale between two folks that that know each other and are comfortable, you know, if, if the square bale hay is still on the wagon or on the trailer, they'll just let the buyer hook to it and pull it to their farm or barn or whatever, and then, you know, bring the wagon back. So um, not all of the square bales that we take in, we actually have to stack off onto the ground. There's a fair amount of them that stay up on a wagon.
So do you um, think that something like this could be replicated in other areas across the state to try and help, uh, you know, match up farmers that are maybe having excess hay supplies to, to those that maybe that don't want to have any hay equipment or that are looking to buy hay? Um, you think this could be replicated in other areas across the state? Yeah, for sure. Um, I've talked to um, another of my colleagues in West Kentucky, Brandon Bell, um, and uh, worked with him back and forth. And they've actually created a, a hay auction similar to ours down there working with their their fair board, I believe, um, or at least one of their government entities that has a large arena, uh, large space under roof. Um, so yeah, I, I think it definitely can work. Um, you know, I've been fortunate to, to have a real good relationship with our local fair board and, and those folks appreciate and understand agriculture and promotion here in the county and how important it is to our local economy. And, um, and so they, they've been a really good partner. One of the things that's enabled us to have this auction is we've got a, it's a 300 by 175 indoor arena. And so we're able to get most all of the hay under roof. And so that, that really helps us. Um, it would be extremely difficult to have this sale without something like that. So um, that is important. And, and then we've got a, a really good auctioneer that um, is pretty widely known in the area and he serves on the fair board as well. So he donates his time and contacts and some of that um, to the calls. And so, um, you know, certainly helping provide hay to folks um, in the area that need it um, and provides a marketplace for, for local growers. And I guess really an opportunity for some price discovery too. Um, but, but also, um, there's a small commission that the fair board actually will get for, you know, hosting and putting on the auction. So it really, in, to my mind, is, is a, is a win-win, you know, in a lot of cases. Yeah, that sounds like, and it sounds like it's also been, uh, you know, another kind of great opportunity to, to help on the education side on getting folks to think about selling hay that's been tested. And, you know, the Department of Ag also will uh, put on their website hay that has been tested through their forge uh, testing lab. So it gives you another opportunity or gives hay producers another opportunity to, to send maybe buyers to the website that the Department of Ag maintains and they can try to find hay that maybe is in their area. So um, it, it's overall is a good, good opportunity to kind of mesh some educational opportunities in with some, like you mentioned, price discovery, because we really don't have any reported hay markets in the area anymore. And um, it, it sounds like it's continuing to grow. So uh, kudos to you and, and your group for continuing to see growth in that area. If I were to ask you this, um, what what would you say has been some of the biggest struggles to uh, ensure a successful sale? Um, some of the challenges that we've had, um, I, I guess sometimes, uh, and not every year, but but sometimes you know we we have to be selective on the types of hay that we allow to come in. Um, 
usually it's not an issue, but um, we want to try to keep our quality, um, you know, as as good as we can within reason, you know, um, average to to good or excellent quality. And so sometimes we've had to, um, you know, turn a, a few different lots away just due to quality. Um, I think it's important uh, to have a way to resolve payment issues um, and, and some of that. Um, if there's a mix up in the, the bail count or something to that nature or, um, and, and so some of the accounting I think is something that, that folks would want to look at. Um, and then it's, it's really not been a particularly a, a, a difficult challenge. Although this year it, I was really running around, <laughs> running around more than usual. I certainly got my steps in, but, um, with testing the day before the auction that Friday, the day before, um, it really has us hustling to get all the hay weighed, samples pulled, analysis done, you know, and all that. So that that has this year was more of a challenge than ever, partly just because we had more hay than we've ever had. So um, those have been some of the challenges. But, you know, overall, I think um, the opportunities have been been much greater uh, than some of the challenges we've had. Well, that's great to hear. You know, anytime you're you're doing something uh, along the lines of uh, buyers and sellers, there's always the potential for some payment discrepancies and some of that. And that's uh, that's one of the things we probably don't think about. How how do we cover a uh, maybe a situation where the bail count was off and that? And probably in most situations, the the buyers make uh, some reconciliation with the sellers and and that but it's good to have a board so do you have a board that kind of helps manage it to make some of these decisions or is it based solely on your discrepancy or how, how do you handle that no that that's a good question um luckily we have a um a number of folks on our our local fair board here we i think there's about 20 different individuals that that are active on our fair board and so um, they work very well with me and, you know, um, on the hay auction and we've got a, a few of the folks that have kind of an accounting background. And, and so they, they help with the pay payment side and, um, assigning the bidder numbers and, and all that, uh, reconciliation. And we have another member, as I said, that is an auctioneer and he brings in some other auctioneers to help and, and different ones and, and others of the fair board help load out, uh, drive tractors, take hay in, they help me weigh, um, they help me pull some hay samples. So there's a really strong crew that helps and they've really bought in uh, on the hay auction and it's just been really good. There's there's no way that I could, could ever thought of pulling this off myself. Um, and so we've had just a lot of, lot of good help. I, I basically, um, you know, help field calls and, and, folks that are looking for hay or, or buyers that want to sell kind of help get the word out that way. We do run some radio ads um, through some of my program support money to help sponsor it and, and get the word out. But um, my main focus is making sure that everything gets weighed, sampled, labeled correctly, data interpretation, all that. And so um, that, that frees me up to do that while they take care of a lot of other important issues. Takes a team to pull this off, doesn't it? 
Yeah, that sure does. Um, there's probably, gosh, everybody involved. There's probably around 20 people involved um, to some degree or another between um, all aspects of the auction. Well, my my hat's off to you and, and the team that uh, puts together such a successful auction that has been kind of running for uh, several years now. So um, sounds like you all are working well together and know what you're doing and have have figured out how to make this thing work for everybody. So uh, congrats on a, a great hay auction this year. So just real quick off the top of your, your head, do you have... Uh, what the the highest selling lot was this year? Yeah, the the highest selling lot um, was some really good alfalfa um, tested. The protein was around twenty or so. Um, TDN was up in the mid these, and um, it had there was a good bale weight too, so that was a good factor. The bales were nice and and heavy, um, but it it brought uh, just under eleven dollars a bale. And so that was the highest. Uh, in wow, that's fantastic. Yeah, some of the um, some of the better lots of, of round bales, some of the bigger five by fives and five by sixes, they got up in the forty dollar range, low forties into there. Um, so those would that would kind of be the top on each of those types of hay. That sounds pretty pretty strong markets then, and it sounds like. Um, uh, there was a, some folks that were there and appreciated the quality on that square bailed alfalfa. And uh, would you say a lot of those buyers that are coming in are um, predominantly equine folks looking for those small square bales? Yes, for sure. Um, equine and, and a few small ruminant folks, sheep and goats and that, um, a few alpacas here and there. Um, but, you know, square bales, even if it's just mixed grass hay, um, they've been selling strong, in my opinion, for a number of years, simply because we just don't have a lot of folks that, you know, put up small squares anymore. Just there's several, you know, labor challenges and that. And so um, it's certainly the quality, but the, just even the availability of small squares is is a component in, in some of that pricing, I think, too. Yeah, that's a good point. And it's convenient to have if you've got, uh, you know, a few calves that you're wanting to wean and you want to hand feed some bales and that, that's another kind of gives you that flexibility to do that. Yeah, that that's right. And, I, you know, I mentioned some really good uh, clean orchard grass hay uh, that we had this year. And um, there was some bidding going on um, for those lots from some local um stalker backgrounder guys um that were wanting to use that nice nice soft leaf uh high quality orchard grass to to help get calves started on so so there is there is uh you know that that uh component of it too and the demand that does involve some some local beef producers fantastic well brandon i think we've just about covered everything on the uh the hay auction, um, is there any closing remarks you'd like to make regarding the hay auction? And uh, if, if folks maybe have interest in either being a buyer or seller, uh, who should they contact? Well, if folks are interested in being a buyer and seller or seller in the future, um, certainly give me a, 
give me a call or email me brandon.sears at uky.edu or call the office um, and I'll certainly be glad to work with them. Um, and then I can also put them in touch with our auctioneer um, in preparation for thinking about next year's auction and, and working through some of the details. We, we'd love to continue to grow and, and increase our quality and, um, you know, help provide a service to a lot of folks in Madison County and the two or three counties, you know, around us. Fantastic. Well, Brandon, I want to thank you for joining us today. Uh, again, this has been Brandon Sears, uh, Madison County Ag and Natural Resource Agent. Uh, Brandon works very closely with the uh, hay auction there that occurs uh, in Madison County at the fairgrounds. And uh, we look forward to uh, getting feedback from, from you all and reach out to Brandon if you're interested in uh, participating either as a buyer or a seller in, in uh, the future sales that are coming up by reaching out to him. And uh, he'll get you the information that you need. Join us uh, next time, and uh, we hope to uh, provide you with, again, uh, some practical information related to forage and beef production in, in the area. And uh, uh, if, if there's anything that we can do to help facilitate that, we'd encourage you to reach out to your county extension office and learn a little bit more about the resources that they have available to you. Thanks for joining in, and we'll uh, talk to you soon.